0: Take your Bibles with me this morning. Turn with me to 2 Peter. We are finishing the book this morning. Do you believe me? We are. We're finishing the book this morning. So this morning, we're going to conclude, really, our our two series. Uh, Back in the spring, we went through 1 Peter, and now in the fall, this is our seventh week uh, in the book of uh, 2 Peter. Uh, Last Sunday night, man, such a cool thing. We had 30 people get baptized at our Thanksgiving service last Sunday night, and it was a live service, man, absolutely awesome. (laughs) I mean, there was life in this place, and I love that. Like, I don't want to be in the church with the frozen chosen. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, want, I, want, to be, I want to be alive. I want, I want there to be life. There should be laughter. There should be joy. Why? Because we know the end of the story, amen? We know what's beyond what we can see, and so we, there should be life in this place. There should be joy in this place. There should be smiles in this place, and it's not just from the, the the desserts that are bad for you when you walk in the door, right? I mean, we have something more. We're living for something more, right, than the donuts, and in the coffee. But again, it's just an awesome thing when God's people come together. And last Sunday night, we had 30 people get baptized. There was a tambourine out there. If, if you ever want to bring a tambourine, just bring a tambourine and, ba- and bang that bad boy. Some some girl was banging the tambourine during the worship service, and I was thought it was a part of the band, but she was a part of the band, but she was sitting out there, and it was an awesome thing. And I also struck out on my first baptism. In, in, in 15 years of baptizing, he's the only person I never got under. He fought me the entire way. I told him afterwards. I said, dude, it was not my fault. I said, as you were going backwards, like he was fighting me and I didn't get him under the water. And I'm like, we got to do this again. So he got double, he got a double dip of blessings last Sunday night. It was an awesome thing. Just, a, just an awesome thing. And so Second Peter chapter 3, man, I just love that we as God's people can gather around God's Word. And I pray that you see this, man. This is a rally of us coming together. The mission field is out, outside the doors of this place, right? I mean, this, this is us coming together as believers. I pray being fed by God's Word, being, being motivated by God's Word, and then leaving this place into the places that God has sent us and understanding that none of you are random. That's, that's, I mean, understand this, that God is using your life, your story, for his glory. The title of the message this morning is both now and forever, because we're going to see this phrase as we come to the end of this letter. These are the final words of Peter, and so understand the context of what's happening here. Here is a man basically, basically facing death, staring face death in the eyes. I mean, we don't know. Many believe that he has already given his orders that he's going to be put to death. And he's writing these final words. We know that from secular writings, he was crucified, but crucified upside down because he did not count himself worthy to die in the same manner of his Savior. This is Peter. This is Peter who walked on water for a little while and then began to sink. This is Peter who denied Jesus three times at the cross. This is Peter, who was restored that morning by the resurrected Christ, where Jesus declares, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And what we find in these letters is exactly that. This is a man walking according to his calling. He is feeding the body of Christ. And in his final words, he says, be steadfast in your faith. And that's something I want you to grab a hold of this morning. Be steadfast in your faith. Be grounded, be rooted in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to stand with me in reverence of reading God's Word. 2 Peter chapter 3. As we go to that verse, i want to read Hebrews 12. This is a verse that's probably very familiar to many of you. This is a verse that my mind and my heart kept coming back to this week as I was looking at the final words of Paul. He says this uh, in Hebrews 12. Therefore, we also, if you remember Hebrews 11, is the hall of faith. I don't have this on the slides, but I just want to read this verse. as the transition now to our responsibility in Hebrews 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. What weight did you walk in with this morning? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin, did you walk in with sin this morning, that so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance. Listen to these words. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us that God has set a course before us. Are we running with endurance? Listen to the final words of Peter now as we come to 2 Peter chapter 3. Let's back up to verse 10. This is the declaration of the judgment of God. And then you find verse 11 through 18, which he says it's our responsibility as believers to live in light of his coming. Verse 10 says this, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heaven will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heath. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Here's the transition of verse 11, right? They therefore, here it is, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, notice this phrase here, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and goodness? Now, when you read that, you think that's a question, right? But what it's actually is an exclamation. He is is giving and a, a phrase of saying, because of these promises, how could we not live the life that God has called us to live. He says this, verse 12, "...looking for, hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire. Now the elements will melt with fervent heat." Allow this statement to sink in. Nevertheless, we, God's people, God's church, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, therefore, church, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Consider that the long sufferings of our Lord is salvation. What a beautiful statement there. If you remember in his defense of the second coming in verses 1 through 9, he talks about the heart of God, that it's not that God is late in his coming, but that he is long suffering towards us, patient towards us, desiring all men to come to faith and repentance of sin. Therefore, beloved, looking forward without spot and blemish, and consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, and also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, is written to you as also in all his epistles, speaking to them these things in which some things are hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, and they do also the rest of Scripture. You, therefore, beloved, you, therefore, church, since you know this beforehand, before, lest you fall from your own steadfastness. There's that phrase, being led away with the air of the wicked. Now, here's the challenge to God's people, God's church, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him... Be the glory, both now and forever. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Lord Jesus, we come before you, both now and forever. Lord, we give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor because you are worthy of that. Lord, as we walk in this morning, I'm sure many are tired. Many are weary. I'm sure there's many in this room this morning who are struggling. Lord, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, it can be a great time. It can be a hard time. And Lord, we recognize that in the circumstances of our lives, Lord, it's so easy to take our eyes off of you and to be placed, placed on the temporary things. And so, Lord, this morning, my prayers as we gather around your truth this morning, Lord, allow us to set aside the weights that easily entangle us, turn from the sin that easily ensnares us. And Lord, may there be freedom in this place this morning. May your Holy Spirit move throughout. May you search our hearts. May you search our minds. May you change us. Lord, if there's someone here who has never professed Christ as their Savior, may today be the day of salvation. To believers, Lord, who there's something in their lives that need to be removed, may you do the work that only you can do in us. And So, Lord, this morning, may we stand in all of you of what you've already done, both now and forever. May you be glorified. We pray it and we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. How many still have leftovers from Thanksgiving? Raise your hand. How many of you are planning to eat it for lunch? Raise your hand. You only got a couple days left. So, I mean, come on, take it. I guess you got longer now, but take advantage of it. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving again with family and friends. And I think the, the Redskins played. I'm not sure what happened. But anyway, we had a great time with family. I give the Redskins a hard time. Let me just say, I, I, don't, I, I actually root for the Redskins. I know that's weird because I give you guys a hard time. But I had a, a roommate in college that was an obnoxious fan. You know what I'm talking about? Just like an obnoxious fan that just talked all the time. And every year, the Redskins would set him up for joy. And then they just crushed his heart. And so you guys are on a wild ride with the Redskins. Anyway, Second Peter chapter 3. We're going to finish this book this morning. If we stay on task, and so you guys stop distracting me. 2 Peter chapter 3, look at what he says in verse 11. I love this. He says, therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, that therefore connects us back. Anytime you see therefore, my challenge to you in God's word is to go back and read. Read the verses leading up to therefore. We know what he has said in verses 7 through 10. He's talking about the day of the Lord. Verse 7, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until when? Until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now jump forward and look at the next part of verse 11. He says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, since all these things will happen, notice what he says, What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Well, there's a lot in that one phrase. Again, when you first read it, it's easy to translate that as a, a question. It sounds like a question, but actually in the original language, it's an exclamation. He says, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? You could basically translate that phrase, how astonishingly excellent ought you to be. These are the final words of this man. These are the final words that if you go back to chapter 1, verse 12 through 15, what does he say? As long as God puts air in my lungs, I'm going to stir your heart. I'm going to stir your heart. I'm going to stir your heart with truth because you're in a battle of truth. Every single day you're in a battle. You battle that. You battle the promises of God, the faithfulness of God, and then you match that up with your life and your circumstances. Let's be real. That can be a struggle. You're trying to see God in the midst of the chaos. You're trying to see God in the midst of the storm. But here is Peter saying what? Be steadfast. Be rooted. Be grounded. Knowing that there is something. And he says, what manner of persons ought we to be? Knowing these promises, knowing that the return of Christ is imminent, knowing that we have eternal life, what manner of persons ought we to be? In light of God's judgment, in light of God's grace, he challenges us, what, to live for Christ. He says, as long as God gives me air, I'm going to stir you. Paul says this in Philippians 3, 24, our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. I had turkey this morning. I'm revving to go. Notice these words here in verse 11. That's weird. I didn't. I didn't have it for breakfast. That would be gross with my red Bull. It says this, what manner of persons ought you to be, notice these two words, in holy conduct and godliness. He's talking about the inside and the out. You look at those two words. Holy conduct refers to our external actions and behavior. Godliness refers to our hearts. So you could literally say holy conduct, he is speaking to our actions. When he speaks to godliness, he is speaking to the attitude of the heart. He says, what manner of persons ought we to be? Knowing these things, what manner of persons ought we to be? In the inside and the out, our lives should manifest the promises that God has given us. Our words should manifest the promises that God has given us. The attitude of our hearts should confess the promises that God has given us from the inside out. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4.1, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to what? To walk worthy of the calling with which we were called. Every born-again child of God has a calling upon their lives. Think about that. God has placed a calling upon your life that is unique to you. We talk about a calling a lot of times. When we think about a pastor, we think about a missionary, we think about somebody who's going into full-time ministry or whatever. Every born-again child of God, according to God's Word, God has given you a calling that is specific to you, that is unique to you, that you have an opportunity to reach people that I don't have, you have an opportunity to reach people that the person beside you doesn't have because you have been given a calling, a purpose to the place that God has put you to live according to these things. To live every day captivated and changed by Jesus. Did you like that transition to our mission statement? To live every day captivated and changed. Hey, you put it on the screen. To live, say it with me. To live every day captivated and changed. By, to think about that to see how quick that can happen, right? To wake up in the morning and to see how quick your mind can go to the cross and just be overwhelmed, not by the day ahead of you, not by the struggles ahead of you, but in that moment to be overwhelmed by the love that God has bestowed upon you already, by the finished work of the cross, captivated, Not captivated by the temporary things of this world, but captivated that a God of righteousness and holiness would save a sinful wretch like me. Captivated and then changed by that. To say, Lord, not only may the outside, my conduct manifest the change you've done in my life, but may my heart show the change that you've done in my life. He says, what manner of persons ought we to be? How excellent ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness? Look at verse 12. He gives us motivation. What does he say? Looking for, yearning for, and hastening. What? The coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. What does the Bible say? As believers, we do not fear his coming. We anticipate his coming. That's why Paul said in Titus two eleven, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age, looking for, yearning for, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, to be captivated by the Lord each day. Peter says, looking for and hastening, that phrase there, looking for, it expresses an attitude of the heart, of expectancy. Lord, I'm looking for you today. I'm looking for you today. I'm looking for you in the circumstances of my life, but I am looking for you that, hey, Lord, I anticipate your coming. I welcome your coming. My eyes are lifted to your coming. He says, we look forward to the coming of the day of the Lord a day when every wrong will be made right, every injustice will be judged, every form of evil will be held accountable. Look at the next part of verse 12, which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. We know the promise of God's word. As God has promised, he would never use water again to judge, but rather we know, the Bible says, his final judgment will consist of fire. Here's the hope. Look at verse 13. Notice the transition right here. Nevertheless, nevertheless, we. If you're a part of the we, say amen. 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 If you're a part of the we, say amen. 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 Nevertheless, we. Born again children of God. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise. Just allow that to grab a hold of you this morning. What promise do you need this morning? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise. The world says this, but nevertheless, me, according to his promise. Let's just change the we to me. I just did that. Didn't even think about that. That's pretty clever. let just change the we to me. Nevertheless, me, according to his promise. My emotions, my feelings say this, but nevertheless, me, according to his promises. I know what I'm feeling, but nevertheless, me, according to his promise. I find that promise in God's word. I stand in that promise. I rest in that promise. And I rely upon what? The providence and the sovereignty of God that he's not late. He's not early. He's always on time. And so, Lord, stabilize me. That's not the word I was looking for. Solidify me. That's the word I was looking for. You ever done that before? In front of 700 people? All right, let's go to the next part. Man, what an amazing statement there. Nevertheless, we, according to his promises, we serve a God of promises, amen? Amen. Let me tell you something, man. If you're battling this stuff, man, identify the lies of the enemy. This is great counsel I received years ago. If you're battling lies, you wake up and the enemy is lying. You know in the power of the Holy Spirit and discernment and wisdom that it does not match up with the truth of the promise of God. Identify it and declare it. Identify the attack and then declare the truth. Nevertheless, we, nevertheless, me, according to his promise. So what are you battling today? I remember years ago, my dad told me, he said, man, you know, do, be, be practical in this. And I, I, I've shared this before where I was battling some things. I identified the lies and I, 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 I countered them with truth. I wrote them on sticky notes and I put them all over my mirror in my bathroom. And I would just start my day there. I would just go there because my mind wouldn't go there naturally. And so I'd just stand there, promise, 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 promise. I'm declaring promise. I don't see it. I don't feel it. But if I serve a God of promises, he is faithful to come through. Amen? Amen. Promise, promise, promise. The lie comes. Counter it with the promise. Promise. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise. What does he promise? Look at the next part. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for, yearn for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. The word new means unlike anything previously known. That phrase there, where righteousness dwells, means where righteousness is at home. The absence of sin. The absence of the baggage of this world. What does he say? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, I look for the coming of the Lord. John describes it, Revelation 21. Here it comes. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea than I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away, you ready? God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Can I get an amen? Amen? You ever shed any tears? Have you shed some tears today? God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. There shall be no more sorrow. There shall be no more crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Are you looking for that? Are you yearning for that? If you believe it, say amen. Amen? Amen. And I'm not done, I got another one, you ready? Y'all ain't ready. Here we go. Revelation 21, a little bit further down, verse 22. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and Lamb are its temples. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and their honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut all day long. They shall bring glory and honor of the nations into it. But there shall be by no means enter into it anything that defiles, separate from sin. Our causes and abomination are lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Because let's be real, man. If it's not, nothing else matters. We realize that. That all this other stuff that captivates us and that consumes us and steer us away from the eternal things. The final challenge of this man to God's people is live for something more. Look at what he says in verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward. you see that? Looking forward to these things. Be diligent. Be disciplined, to be found in peace without spot, without blemish. Peter says looking forward to these things. Be attentive, be persistent, to be found in peace. What does that mean? To be found with a peace of mind. What does it mean? To be confident in your faith. What does it mean? To be steadfast, to be grounded, to be rooted in the promises of God. Paul says in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. And you realize that's not a suggestion, right? That's a command from God's Word. Have you ever struggled with anxiety? I know I have. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here it is. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. One of the great miracles I've had the privilege of seeing is this up front in the lives of God's people. And I know you have too. I remember being 10 years old. My grandmother passed away. She had a stroke, and for about a month long, man, she struggled. And my mom and dad would go down to North Carolina, and they would spend weeks at a time. I remember that because it was just my brother at home with me. He was a freshman in college, and I wasn't getting no dinner at all. Like, is that weird that I, that's how I remember that my grandma was sick? But I also remember that my brother was like, fend for yourself. Find something to eat. I'm like, come on, man. You're, you're, you're my guardian while you're gone. Cook me dinner. And he would never cook me dinner. He brought home Mike McDonald's one time. But anyway, I was thinking about this. I remember riding in that hearse with my mom. And I just remember, I remember her saying, you know, this is the hardest day of my life. Her mom was her best friend. Mom had her when she was 17 years old. She said, but I can't explain it. It's the peace of God that surpasses understanding. If you've ever been there before, say amen. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? We're in the chaos of it. There's a peace that comes over you? Like in the, in, the, in the tragedy of whatever it may be, there's a peace that comes over you? He says, without spot. What does that speak to? It speaks to the character. That's the inward aspect. Without spot. He says, blameless. What does it speak of? That's the outward. As believers, what is he doing? He's challenging the church to manifest the highest levels of integrity and personal holiness. And he matches it up even with the writings of Paul. And so let's bring in some of his writings. Philippians two fourteen, Paul says this, Do all things without complaining and disputing. Can I get an amen? Amen? I've never seen anybody say that's my life verse. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and heartless, children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Here it is. Among whom you shine as what? Lights in the world. You want to talk about a calling? Where's God put you? Young person, where's God put you? What lunch table are you sitting at? Where's God put us? And when he puts us there, are we a light in the world? Are they looking at a window or are they looking at a mirror? Are they looking at a mirror and seeing a reflection of the world? Are they looking at a window and seeing a life that has been changed by the Lord Jesus Christ? This is the challenge of Peter. Look at verse 15. He says, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. I love that. That connects us right back to verse 9. If you go back to 2 Peter 3, verse 9, we know the statement that he made. The Lord is not slack. The Lord is not late concerning his promise, as some count slackness. But here it is. He is patient toward us. He is long-suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Peter once again drives this home that the delay of the Lord Jesus Christ ultimately is his grace. It's his long suffering towards us, it's his patience, desiring men to come to repentance and faith. Look at verse 15. Consider that the long-suffering, our Lord, is salvation. And now he says this, And also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. So he speaks here of Paul. We know that they have a history. If you go to the book of Acts, let me give you a couple passages. And I'd encourage you to go back and read some of these passages. Acts 15 paints the picture of both Paul and Peter as they're present at the Jerusalem council. Another passage is Acts 15, 40. It's further down in the chapter. It talks about both of them ministering with Silas. Now we know that their history was not always positive, right? You go to Galatians 2, verse 11 through 21, and it tells us how 20 years earlier, Paul confronted Peter, if you remember this. He confronted Peter when he wrongfully refused to eat with Gentile Christians. And so, obviously, in the final words of this man, Peter, he accepted his rebuke and responded in repentance. And so, what does he say? Adhere to the words of Paul. Look at what he says in verse 16 and 17. As also in all of his epistles, speaking to them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand which taught and unstable people twisted twist to their own destruction as they do also with the rest of Scripture. Here's the warning again to false teachers. You, therefore, beloved church, since you know this, beware lest you fall from your own, what? Steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. He says, be firm, be grounded. My final words, be firm, be grounded. Even in the promises of the apostle Paul, Listen to what he says in Ephesians 4, 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, that's the eternal state, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here it is, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking what? Truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. And what a calling to the church. In verse 18, look at where he lands. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. The final words of Peter. Keep pursuing, keep growing, keep walking with Jesus. Be steadfast in your faith. The word grow there means to advance or increase in the sphere of, what does he say? We are to grow in grace in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Think about some of these passages. Ephesians 1, 7, praise God for his grace. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. If you're thankful for God's grace, say amen. Amen? amen. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, but God, who is rich in mercy, praise him because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, even when we were enemies of his throne, dead in trespasses. What did he do? He made us alive. He raised us up to life together with Christ by grace, by grace grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it's the grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. Titus two eleven. for the great grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. He says, grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus. I remember in seminary, we'd walk into a New Testament class and he would have those words written every week. How's your growing going is what he would write. He would challenge us as students because, again, in seminary, this can become very academic. And he would say, man, getting all this information, that's great, that's one thing, but it's information for the purpose of transformation. You're not just storing as many stories as you can and, and trying to memorize as many verses as you can. It's not just knowledge, it's knowledge for the sake of change. And it's how the Lord takes the truth of his word. And it's the renewing of his mind, the last statement of Peter's Grow." Walk with Jesus, pursue Jesus, live in light of his coming. And he calls believers, what, to worship and adore. Look at what he says, to him be glory both now and forever. Peter says, if I'm here, I'm going to glorify God. If I'm in jail, I'm going to glorify God. If I'm with God's people, I'm going to glorify God. And if I'm in the heaven, removed from the baggage and this, of the sins of this world, I'm going to glorify God. It is the picture of what is to come. Psalm 95, O oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. It deserves an amen. 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 Psalm 105, 1, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds to the people. Sing to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works with which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Even Psalm 19 says what? The heavens, the heavens declare the glory of God. That both now and forever, Wherever we walk, we walk outside and we see the manifestation of the glory of God. May our hearts be like Peter that says, Lord, wherever you have me, may I shine for the glory of God. Wherever you put me, may I shine for the glory of God. Whether I like it, whether I understand it, whether I agree with it or not, I rest in your sovereignty and the calling that you've placed upon me. May Jesus be seen in my attitude of my heart, but may Jesus be seen in the actions of my life. You know the song. Listen, if the stars were made to worship, then so will we. Amen? We're gonna change it to I to we. If the mountains bow down in reference, say it with me, so will we. If the oceans roar your greatness, say it with me, I'm writing a new song, so will we. If everything exists to lift you high, say it with me. If the wind goes where you send it, say it with me. If the rocks cry out in silence, if the sum of all our praises still fall shy, we'll continue to sing and continue to praise and continue to glorify a hundred billion times, both now and forever. So let me go back and read this verse. Therefore, it's the transition of all that we just said. Therefore, since we are surrounded A so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. What's the weight this morning that you walked in with? Let's just allow the Holy Spirit to identify it. Let's get real with the Lord. What's the weight that's entangling you? Is it a sin? What's the weight that's ensnaring you? Because here's the calling, let us run, let us run, let us run with what? With endurance, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. God has set a course for you, a calling upon your life. Will you seek the temporary or will you seek the eternal? Amen? every head bowed and every eye closed. Both now and forever, Lord, we see your glory both now and forever. We anticipate, Lord, the coming of our Savior. We believe in it, we trust in it. Lord, until that day, may we be lights in the place that you've put us. May our lives glorify the name of Jesus. May our words glorify the name of Jesus. May our actions glorify the name of Jesus, both now and forever. May we live every day captivated by your love, captivated by your grace, captivated by your mercy, captivated that while I was dead in my trespasses and sins, you sought me and brought me to life in Christ. Man, may I just stay right there for a moment. Put everything else aside and just stay right there for a moment. Just you alone at the cross with a holy God, a righteous God, with a great gap between sinful man and a holy God. What we're going to celebrate over these next four weeks is that our God came into his creation for a purpose, and to the world that he created to live that life that we can't live, a life of perfection, a life of sinlessness, and it was all leading to his death. Lord, may we be captivated by that, that our Savior Jesus Christ came into this world, lived as a man, and died on the cross for our sins, that he's risen, that he's risen. And he's raised me to walk in newness of life, regardless of the storm, regardless of the fog, regardless of what's in front of me. I will rest in the promises. Yet, therefore, I will rest in the promises that you've given me. May I be changed in you. Captivated, but changed. To be more like...